0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30am Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. We're still in the valley this morning. The valley of fear. We overcommitted to the housing market. We bought multiple properties because we believed that would be a lucrative way to make money. But when the interest rates climbed, and no one could buy the properties, and so now we're carrying several properties that we can't afford. My family is facing huge losses, and I don't think we'll recover. The valley of failure. I love sports. What started out as innocent fun, gambling online with my app, has turned into secretly hiding my spending. Lying to family, going into debt and losing control of myself. The valley of conflict. I was starting to reinvest in this relationship. I was starting to trust them again. But there it is. Withdrawal. Being unavailable. Silence. I can't do this any more. I go to church all the time. I love my youth group but a few days ago my friend took their life, committed suicide and I went to my church for support and the youth pastor told me that it was wrong to mourn my friend. The pastor told me that my friend was more than likely in hell. The valley of weeping. We prayed for healing. We have been faithful to him our whole life. We trust in the Lord and now I'm holding this hand and it's cold and they're gone. I have so many tears but I have no way out of this valley. These are people who I prayed for just this week. Let's see if I can advance my slides. No, I can't, so we're going back to the pointing. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd, we know, feeds, leads, and meets all of our needs. And God says to us, his promise is that he will feed you, he will lead you, and he will meet your needs. And when you're in the valley, there's only two types of people, one with a shepherd and one without a shepherd. Everyone goes into the valley, and those two, in those groups, two groups, one has a shepherd, the other group does not have a shepherd. And when you're a sheep, when you're skittish, when you're uncertain on your feet, when you cannot see too, too much in front of you because the shadows are crowding in, you have to follow the shepherd. And when you're following your shepherd and when you're looking up at the shepherd you'll see two things you'll see in here the shepherd's staff testing the ground before you and you'll see a club dangling from his belt and it says your rod and your staff they will comfort me when we are in the valley We are in desperate danger of staying there, of losing our way, losing the shepherd, and living this valley experience. The scenarios I shared with you are people in the valley. And when we're in the valley, we have a choice to follow the shepherd or to abandon that to fall and not call for help as a shepherd leaves, to um, sustain injury and not call out, to lose our way or to follow other sheep that are not following the shepherd and hence staying in the valley. And it says here that it's the shepherd's rod and his staff, they comfort you. Meaning that while you're in this valley, and we talked about the valley last time, don't expect you to remember any of that. The shadows, this, the shadows and this desperate time in the valley, if you're in the valley, God sustains you. He's promised to sustain you and keep you and protect you while you're in the shadows of life. Next slide, please. What does it mean? What does it mean that this rod and the staff will protect me? The rod is a defensive weapon, it's a club. Sheep have no claws, sheep have no teeth, they're not smart, they're slow, and they need protecting. And the shepherd will use his rod to protect the sheep from danger, and he also uses it to correct his sheep when they're trying to leave and go astray. The staff is used for directing and guiding. The staff is used to steer sheep or to stop them by hook or crook. See, sheep in arid and mountainous ranges will get into some pretty tight situations. They'll get into some places that are unsafe. So the staff will grab the sheep, pull the sheep away off cliff faces, away from the edge, To keep them safe from falling the rod and the staff are protective tools of the shepherd and biblically speaking they are symbols they are symbols of power and authority you might bring to mind Moses with his staff or Yahweh commands him to take the staff and go before Pharaoh, to take the staff and raise it to part the sea, to take the staff and to touch the rock. For the staff was a, a piece of authority. So was the rod. In Psalm 2.9, it says that the Messiah will shepherd the nations with the rod. These are ancient symbols that mean power and authority and the right to rule, the right to lead. But the staff also represents care and compassion. The shepherd, when the, when the sheep are giving birth, will not come close to the, to the mother. Rather, they'll use their staff to scoop up the sheep and to bring the sheep over to the mom. It was used for rescue operations, as I already mentioned. The staff is a symbol of power and authority and care and compassion. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, the good shepherd, have come that they may have life and life to the full. When we are in the valleys, life is not abundant. Life is not to the full. Rather, life is hollow. You are a ghost. You are empty. You are vacant and weak. You are trembling. And this is when you need the shepherd. This is when we need to look up and see the staff and the rod that he is protecting me. He will sustain you. He will deliver you. He'll deliver you from other sheep who misrepresent the master, who tell the sheep something terrible, where they have negative experiences in church, and they say, I'm done with church, I'm done with Christianity. Why? Because someone has said something that is incredibly wounding, not compassionate, with false authority. The shepherd will protect us when we fall and when we stray, when we become confused by our pain, and when we become entitled and demand that God do something for us instead of humbly submitting to him, the shepherd will come along and he will woo you. He will protect you in the valley. Next slide. If I bring Jesus my pain, he will show compassion to you. When we bring Jesus our pain, he shows compassion to us. Matthew 9 36 says this When Jesus saw the crowds, his heart was filled with compassion. Question When you see the crowds, I don't know if anyone gets on the 402 or the 401. When you see the crowds, are you filled with compassion? No, you're irritable. You lose privacy. I just wanted to be alone. I just wanted to be with this person. Now these people are here. Why are they here? Jesus is filled with compassion. Notice Jesus is not filled with sympathy for the crowds. Sympathy says, I'm sorry and puts a card in your mailbox, he's not empathetic. Jesus does not show empathy to the crowds. Empathy means that I hurt with you. When we hear the prayer concerns, our hearts break for the people, right? God is compassionate Compassion means that I will do anything to stop your hurting. To be filled with compassion is to be filled with the will and desire to stop someone from hurting. Stop someone from hurting. And that will and compassion is so strong for Jesus that he will be stripped naked, allow himself to do this. He will pour out his life for you, stretch out his hands and have nails driven into them, which we will be celebrating and reflecting on in a few weeks. Jesus is not sympathetic, empathetic, he is compassionate to you in the valley right now. Meaning that he will do what needs to be done for you to sustain you in the valley. Matthew 20, 28 says, I came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom. This is an interesting paradox. God says to you and I, it's not about you. It's about me. But from God's vantage point, when you're in the valley, God's, it is about you. It is about you. God's vantage point is, is about you. Our vantage point, it's not about me, God, it's about you. because And that's the beauty of taking our eyes off of ourselves. We don't have to worry about ourselves. If we focus on God, God is focusing on you, and he can do a lot more for you than you can do for yourself. He sustains us with his compassion in the valley. If I decide to follow him, He will lead me in the right direction. I mentioned last week about being lost in the London hospital, in the bowels of the hospital. It looks like a movie you don't want to be in because you're walking down a a, a hallway and the lights are flickering and you're like, I've seen this show, I didn't like it. And then someone comes up to you, a nurse, and says, where are you going? Let me show you. It's not two lefts, two rights, one left, three more rights. You're there. No, let me show you. He wants to lead you. John ten four says this: the good shepherd walks ahead of the sheep, and they follow him, for they recognize his voice. They trust him. They know him. He has compassion for them. He's he's for them. Psalm twenty six three says this. For I am always aware of your unfailing love. I have lived according to your truth. Here's the thing. Jesus does not lead with law. Jesus leads with love. Because when he leads with love and you respond with love and you love him, you don't need law. We need law because we're lawbreakers. No one here, I hope, has murdered somebody. If you have, you need to turn yourself in. But many of us will not murder people because the penalty of doing that. Many of us will not sell drugs, even if it seems like a really financially good idea, because the penalty will not do that. But who sped this week? Come on. Yeah, okay. Me too. You broke the speed limit. Why? Because the penalty's not that bad. I can pay a fine. When we're led by love, we don't need the law because now we're being led by a compassionate, good Savior who has our best interests at heart. In the valley, if I get confused and wander off, Jesus will seek me out, and he'll bring me back. I'm going to spark here for a little bit. This is where we get into trouble when we're in the valley. Matthew 18, 12 says, If a shepherd has 100 sheep, and one wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 safe sheep and go and search for the one that is lost? Luke 19 Jesus says, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. What do those two verses have in common? What's the implication? You and I are lost. We are lost. He leaves the 99 to find the lost. He's come to seek, to find the lost. If we knew the way to God, if we could secure our future with Him, we would have, and Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. He would not have had to take His life and have it poured out, in the humiliation, and the shame, and the agony, if there was another way to God. If there was, don't you think God would have chosen that? Wouldn't you think He would have prescribed that? He didn't. Jesus had to go to the cross for those who are lost. Have you ever lost a kid? It is terrifying. It is terrifying to lose a child. Did you teach your kids to get lost? Have you ever sat down and said, if you're in a bind, and you need to get lost, if you need to be distracted and forget where you're supposed to be, here's what you need to do. No, we don't have to teach our kids to get lost. They wander, they're prone to wandering, they're prone to seeing something and going, I'd rather do that than be here. And before you know it, they're gone. They're hiding in a clothes rack, they're in the food court, they're in the toy section, and they're absolutely gone. And our natural inclinations as parents is to where is my kid? Why did they move? And then you begin to search and you begin to scour and you eventually find that child and you say, Wow, that's okay. (laughs) You know. I was too calm today. My you know, my heart, you know, I needed the it needed the workout. No, we don't do that. We use this opportunity as a teaching moment, as a moment to imprint on our young little friends, our young little loved ones, that they cannot wander off because we love them and we want to protect them. Here's the point of this. Next slide. When we are in the valley... When we are confused, and we're confused because we're in pain, we're doubting, we're, we, and a lot of it is our own sin sometimes. A lot of it is how we see God. A lot of it is how we see ourselves in our situations or other people. And we are confused. And so in the valley, we wander off. When you're hurting, here's a confession, I begin so well calling on God. I'm gonna press it on God. I'm gonna to pray to him. I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna have a breakthrough. I'm gonna overcome this addiction. I'm gonna overcome this anxiety. I'm gonna get past my anger. And then three weeks later when my anger is still there, when I'm still tempted and giving in, when I still continue to struggle, my vigor, my enthusiasm begins to wane i.e i begin to wander he's not hearing me he's not listening to me he's angry at me google how to get past anxiety mindfulness i'll do mindfulness now google how do i overcome this don't worry what you're trying to do it's not a really a problem it's like it's a car it's a Constructed your own mind, just move past that construct and accept that you're a wretch and you'll be fine. Just get rid of the shame, that's your problem. Okay, thank you, Google. And then I'm wondering, wondering, why am I not connecting with God? Why can't I hear from Him? Why are my Christian friends so weird? They just tell me to. And all of a sudden, you're backing away from God. You're backing away from the community. You're backing away from church because you've gone missing. You're wandering. That is a sign of wandering. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring us, I used to wander off until you disciplined me. See we part of the problem with the valley is the valley but part of the problem with the valley also is being disciplined because you are in the valley do you see that you put yourself in the valley and God's and so now it's even worse but here's the thing i used to wander off but you disciplined me now i closely follow your word I closely follow your word. You are good, and you only do good. You teach good decrees. Punishment. The valley feels like punishment to you and I. But let me say, punishment is for a penalty done in the past. Punishment is for a penalty done in the past. And it's usually done out of anger. Discipline. Discipline is correction and training for the future, and it's done out of love. Discipline is correction for the future that's done out of love. Those are the difference between punishment and discipline. And God wants to discipline us. He wants to keep us from wandering off. Sometimes we're in the valley longer than we have to be because we wanted to stay there. But God will discipline us. In Psalm 19:71, 71, David says, "'It was good for you to afflict me. "'It was good for me to be afflicted "'so that I may learn your decrees.'" The science is in, if you, if that's, you like that kind of stuff, because um, it's not always in, but you can take this one to the bank. We do a lot better learning in pain than pleasure. We do a lot better grasping reality when we're in a deep, deep pain than when we are having the time of our life. That's why funerals are powerful because many people are in pain they're reflecting don't ask in the valley why this is happening to you ask god what are you teaching me here what are you teaching me in this failure why do i continually look at this why do i continually experience this why do i continually fight with this person why can't i control my temper why am i so anxious not why am why am why but what are you teaching me, what are you teaching me, what do you want me to learn? I used to wander off, but now I closely follow your word. Do you follow his word? Do you read his word? This has to happen. If you are in the valley, the worst thing you can do is stop reading your Bible. Even if you have to read it and murmur three sentences and close it, do it because that's a staying close. You're not wandering, you're staying close to God. When you're in the valley, if I fail or I fall, Jesus will rescue you. He will rescue you. It's not hopeless. You can stop. You can stop. You can heal. You can be restored because we all stumble. All children get lost. All children wander. That is what Isaiah 53 says. We're all prone to wandering. In Matthew 12, Jesus asked, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull that person out, that sheep out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law promotes a person to do good on the Sabbath. When you fall, when you fail, when painful things happen to you, the Lord is looking to save you. If you don't believe that, then you have to believe these other things I'm about to say. You, you, don't, you don't have an unlimited choice of worldviews. They have to fall into these So let's just pretend, did they fix everything up at Zurich here in in the summer? I don't get out here too often, but they had all that construction. So let's use our imaginations just like when we were kids. So let's pretend that we were walking down the main in Zurich, and you fell into a pit, okay? 25 feet, you can't get out. You're in the pit. There is only a limited amount of ways that you can respond to yourself being in the pit. You can believe, as the Hindus do, that you deserve the pit. It's karma. It was pre-prescribed before you were born because of something that you've done, and you belong in the pit, and you just have to work it out. You just have to get through the pit. That's Hinduism. The Buddhists would say that this is a perception issue, meaning that if you're a Buddhist, you believe that pain and pleasure are are just a perception. They're an illusion. And your cravings for desire, your cravings for pleasure are, are really an affront to reality. And so if you can just ignore and just say that what I'm going through is an illusion, The loss I'm experiencing because of this person passing away is an illusion. The guilt and the shame I experience because I'm struggling with something, it's an illusion. I just have to get past it, get past the shame, accept that these feelings are not real. So I deserve it. It's really just my perception problem. If I change my perception, I'm not really in the pit. If you're Muslim, and Muhammad walked by, he would tell you that you're there because you have been an affront to Allah, and you're in that pit because you deserve to be in that pit. That's why you're there. And if you're a spiritualist, if you belong to a New Age movement, if you're a Tony Robbins fan, if you're into the self-help, you just have to believe it, and you're out. You just have to believe that you can get out of the pit on your own, and you'll get out. If you can conceive being out of the pit, you can achieve being out of the pit. But the problem is, the valley does not conform to these worldviews. Because how you ignore it, get out of it, climb ten feet up and say, I'm out of the pit, however you construct it, you're in the pit. And our hearts and our minds will always know that. And our bodies will keep score. And our health issues sometimes are a result of us ignoring the pit that we're in. What does Jesus say when you're in the pit? Can I give you a hand out? Can I help you out? Do you see the difference? in those worldviews. Can you see the difference in those religions? Jesus says, I will help you out. And some of you are saying, why doesn't he just get rid of the valley? Why doesn't he just get rid of the evil? Why doesn't he just get rid of these addictions? Why doesn't he get rid of the habits? If he's God and he can do anything he wants, why not? Because the room would be empty if he got rid of evil. And we would be emptied of choice, a choice to call out, a choice to follow, a choice to take his hand, a choice to use our freedom to follow him. Freedom is our greatest gift and our greatest curse. And if you're free to make decisions, you're free until that decision is made. And after that decision is made, you bear the consequences. And that's the way God wants it because He wants us to bear our consequences so He can rescue us, so he can, we can say, we're dependent on you, we need you, please help us out. Psalm 7120, you allowed me to suffer a lot, but you will bring me back from this deep pit and give me a new life. Folks, some of us need to be drawn out of the pit after this moment of suffering, so that we can be whole and get a new life. The valley serves to remind us that we need a new life, and the life that we have now and the sufferings we have now are to point us to God, are to teach us about Him. God is not angry with you. He loves you. The most poisonous thing that can happen in the valley is that you think God hates you. It's not true. He wants to lead you. He wants to save you. And lastly, next slide, if I place my trust in God to save me, Jesus will keep me saved. Whose job is it to save the sheep? the shepherd, not the other sheep, and not you. You don't save yourself. You cannot save yourself. It's God's job to save you. It's God's job to rescue you. It's your job to put your hand in His, to trust Him, to abide in Him, to love Him, to say, God, I am all yours. This pain that I can't get rid of, I give it to you. This addiction, this propensity to destroy myself, this cycle of hatred, this bitterness, this shame and resentment, I'm giving it to you. I'm not asking for healing. I'm asking you to be with me in it. You need to save me. You need to rescue me. And that's what the Good Shepherd promises. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Listen, no one can snatch them away from me. In the Greek, I don't usually do this, but in the Greek, it's a double negative. This is the strongest word for no, not, ever, ever. It's impossible, it is impossible. No one can snatch them from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. Again, no, not ever, double negative in the Greek. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is grace. This is unmerited favor. It is a gift and a promise that we do not deserve that we've been given. We are not entitled to it because we're good people. We're not entitled to it because we belong to church. We receive this as a sure, sheer gift, a sheer grace. And it's God's responsibility to keep you. It's His responsibility to to hold you, to sustain you. So when you're going through the valley, when you're in the hospitals, when you're at home struggling with kids, when you're unable to comprehend what is going on in my life, this is so bizarre. God keeps you in his hands, sustaining you if you trust him. Sorrow cannot steal your salvation. Sickness cannot steal your salvation. Society and its privilege and its point of view cannot take you out of his hand. There are only two people in a valley. Those who follow the shepherd, those who see him and know him and trust him and depend on him, and those who don't, but need to. But need to. Who are you? This is not theatrics. I'm not being theatrical. Who are you? Do you follow the shepherd? I'm not saying, have you made a commitment? Have you been baptized? I'm asking you, when you feel anxious, do you follow the shepherd? I'm asking you, when you're crying alone in your room because there are people that you can't control, that are ruining your life, Do you trust the shepherd? When you are driving home from London after the worst conversation you've had with your doctor, do you trust him? Is he your shepherd? Because if he's not, he wants to be, and you need to. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for my friends who listened attentively to your word. Would you bless us and keep us? Would you move our hearts toward you? Father God, would you help us to know you and to rest in you because you have us in your hand and we are safe there. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.